0: So I'm not particularly sure how to do podcasts, but I thought, you know, why don't I give it a try? Because I've had a lot of stuff kind of going through my head over the past few days, ever since, you know, the presidential debate and whatnot. And let me let me make something abundantly clear. I don't identify with either Donald Trump or Joe Biden as a candidate that I'm going to support, because ultimately, I don't think that matters. And... I, there's a lot of reasons why that is, which I'm going to get into, you know, later on in this podcast, but I just kind of wanted to get a lot of these thoughts out there instead of, you know, just, uh, just talking about individual beliefs as far as conforming to one political party over another. Uh, there's a lot of things that I could say for either political party, but, uh, I think I want to start this off by setting a framework. I am a Christian. I identify as a disciple of Jesus. And honestly, that's really all the framework I really need. And I know there's been a lot of things going around the internet like, oh, you can't support Joe Biden and be a true Christian. You can't support Donald Trump and be a true Christian. And uh, I'm here today to kind of list off my thoughts on that, if that's any kind of information of how this is going to go. So I don't particularly have anything prepared, but uh, I'm going to be speaking on the political landscape of the United States of America through a biblical lens as much as I possibly can. So here we go. So my thoughts on this really started going in motion about, I'd say, 15 minutes ago. Uh, That was when I saw this post on a Christian memes page, which I am not going to list, but you could probably figure it out pretty easily. This meme basically had the template of Joe Biden telling Donald Trump to shut up in the debate. Okay, so I already knew that the comment section was going to be a disaster, but I did not anticipate how bad it was going to be. So I read the top comment, and it basically said, you know, I don't think Joe Biden's a very good person to represent Jesus. Okay, I can agree with that, but honestly, it doesn't matter to me. It's a meme. It's supposed to be funny. It's just supposed to, it's, you're not supposed to dig into the deep meaning of the meme templates because, like, that's not how it works. You're supposed to laugh at funny jokes. Ha ha. You get it? It It's funny meme joke. Here's one comment I saw. I'm just in the comments to see all the butt hurt Christians who think Biden representing Jesus is bad. LMAO. First of all, LMAO is a Christian? How dare you? That's a joke, by the way by the way, if you're a Christian, and Christian is in quotes there, and still voting for Trump because of your beliefs, in air quotes, take a good hard look at the debate and what you're getting behind. This is not politics anymore. Stop mixing religion with politics. If a Democrat was doing half the stuff as what Trump is saying or doing, they'd be going insane. I didn't learn anything from this comment. I'm just pointing out like, I, I, I don't know where they stand politically because it seems like they're kind of condemning Trump but they didn't also come out in support of Biden so it's 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 in a very politically gray area because I'm pretty sure most people know that if they outright state anything about any political candidate they're just going to be eaten alive that's the that's the harsh truth of American politics it didn't used to be this way I I'd like I'd like to go back to that now please I'm here for the but-Joe-Biden comments. Vote for either Baal or Mammon this election. America, the land of the morally depraved. That's This is the comment that like really set the wheels in motion for me because of the fact that we're comparing the candidates to Baal. Okay? And obviously, if you're in the Bible at all, you know that Baal is a pagan god that was often worshipped by various groups, uh, other than the Israelites, and sometimes the Israelites too, but that's, that's just how it worked sometimes, Israel was very, (laughs) Israel had some problems, but I'm not here to talk about that, but land of the morally depraved, 100% agree with this statement, I'm not saying literally every single person, but it's the concept of a country like this, that really it, it grinds my gears let's let's phrase it that way i'm looking through the comments and a lot of it is trump supporters which you know fair enough i i believe you have the right to state your political opinions but when you start to say people who claim to be christians can't support one candidate over the other that's where i start to draw the line because that is starting to gatekeep salvation. And uh, I have a scripture for that. If we can go to Matthew. what I don't know why I did the intonation. Not intonation, but the increase in pitch on the word Matthew. That doesn't make any sense. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And I'm reading ESV. I don't think it matters, but you can listen along. You can read along, whatever. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I wasn't really going to talk about the scripture beyond judge not lest you be judged. But I think there's a lot of good stuff in here that is pertinent. So first of all, obviously, judge not lest you be judged. I think that is very, very important in this current political landscape. I think a lot of us are just so judgmental at this point. And I feel like a lot of people are going to take this podcast the wrong way and be like, oh, well, aren't you just trying to gatekeep people's ability with freedom of thought? That's not what I'm trying to do at all. I'm trying to point out why... Condemning people's salvation in a sense is wrong from a biblical standpoint and also not what we should be doing. I mean, those kind of mean the same things, but I think you kind of see where I'm getting at. Hopefully, you do. If I'm not being clear, I'm very, very sorry. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I think that is so true when it's. Put into the modern perspective, the modern framework of American politics, because of just how much it's become, he said, she said, anything you say can and will be attacked by someone who has a different opinion as you. Obviously, that's strictly condemned here. It's not really condemned so much as it's warned against, is what I'm trying to say. It says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. I feel like that's more of a warning than a condemnation. The condemnation comes in verse 1 of chapter 7 where it says, Judge not, lest you be judged. It's a very clear, like, if you judge other people, you're going to be judged to the same exact measure as you judge other people. People will hold you to that same standard. And I think, obviously, that's fair enough. But that's also a double-edged sword because that means you're also going to be taking a lot of political hits. Anyway, I think I've made my point regarding that. But we also have verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I think that also really sums up where we're at as far as a country, as far as politics in this country. In the sense that everyone is so quick to judge, to pounce on other people who have different political views than us. And I'm guilty of this too. I have been very, very quick to get on people be like, okay, no, that's not right. Why why are you saying that if you, you claim to be a Christian and that's falling into the exact trap that the scripture warns against? Because I don't notice... Let's say I have one political view. What's a relevant issue? There's obviously not going to be a perfect example of this, and I'm not trying to make any political statements by these examples, but let's say someone supports defunding the police, but they also happen to support you know, pro-choice. I'm not saying I'm pro-choice or pro-life. I'm just using it as an example. Please don't murder me. Obviously, none of these comparisons are going to be perfect just because these issues are so different and people's opinions on them are even more different. And here's why we're unable to help each other. This is why the two political parties are so unwilling to come together, to compromise, to reconcile. Is pro-choice the log in somebody's eye who happens to believe in it, who happens to support pro-choice? I'm not the one to say that. But a conservative will say, oh yeah, that's, that's absolutely a log in their eye. They need to take care of that first. But then we take the example of defunding the police, and conservatives are a lot less on board with that idea overall. But someone on the left will be like, oh yeah, that's the logger, that's the speck in their eye. I need to help them get it out. Except we don't say that. We don't say, let's help them get it out. Instead, we compare whether it's a log or whether it's a speck. Whether it's a significant issue or a not-so-significant issue. Like, have you ever had an eyelash in your eye? Have you ever had a metal pipe in your eye? Obviously, one is going to be significantly worse than the other. With political issues that are so much less tangible than you know a metal pipe being lodged in your face, it's a lot... It's a lot harder to distinguish which issues are logs and which issues are specs. But I'm here to say it doesn't matter. The point is that we're not focusing on our own weaknesses enough to be able to help each other out. Instead, we're focusing on, oh, we're not as bad as the other side. Well, you might not be in your own eyes, but the other side pretty much has a cover on all your weaknesses. The other side completely covers over the fact that that you are weak in this area, and they are strong in this area, whereas you're strong in the areas where they are weak. I've noticed that about Democrats and Republicans. It's very apparent to me that the weaknesses of the Democratic Party are covered by the Republican Party, and the weaknesses of the Republican Party are covered by the Democratic Party. And I'm pretty sure that statement is going to cause a lot of people to really, really hate me, but just hear me out. I'm I'm just here to talk about what I'm observing from the Bible. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's the log in your own eye? Again, we're not comparing the sizes or significance of the issues. We're talking about the fact that there is something there that needs to be addressed before you go and help. I say that in air quotes. Before you go and help somebody else who is doing just fine in the area where you may be struggling. I pause there because... My basement door just, like, decided to blow open with the wind. But Jesus goes on to say, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I think that is where America falls short the most. I don't know if you noticed this, but Americans are very prideful. We have a literal holiday dedicated to it. It's on July 4th. Has a lot of good food. Definitely recommend. However, it's all about American pride and stuff. And when that pride is divided into two separate parties that hate each other with a burning passion, that is where we get division that is strictly condemned here. Biblically, and apparently, according to very many people, this is supposed to be a Christian country, quote-unquote. However, we do have freedom of religion, according to the Constitution, Of course, but a lot of people will claim that America was founded on the principles of Christianity. So, if that is the case, where'd this scripture go? Did we just not read it? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The American pride has blinded us. I'm not talking about a speck, I'm talking about a full on blindfold. Our pride has blinded us to the point where we do not see our own weaknesses, and that makes us hypocrites. I say us because I am guilty of this too, which is why I think it's so important to not link our political beliefs to our spiritual beliefs. The issues are so different, they're incomparable. And this is the issue I have with the American political system, because it is so clear that both sides are hypocrites. There is a very specific reason why I never tell anybody who I'm voting for. It's because I will get eaten alive. I will distance people from me. I will lose friends over that. Over a petty issue as who I believe to be a better leader. Which overall doesn't matter because we have the best leader as Christians, and that is Jesus, who is the head of the body, the church. And if any of you are Christians out there, you will believe that. Because the Bible strictly says it. It's in Colossians 1. Therein you start to see my problem with the American political system in regards to, it. let's say I support Joe Biden, which I don't say I do. People will say, oh, you're not a true Christian if you don't support Donald Trump. But if I support Donald Trump, people on the other side will be like, oh, you're not a true Christian because you don't support Joe Biden. It doesn't matter. If I believe that Joe Biden is a better leader than Donald Trump, what's that to you? If I believe that Donald Trump is a better leader than Joe Biden, what's that to you? And I'm not confirming anything about my political beliefs because it doesn't matter. And I want to debunk this myth that you're not a true Christian if you support one candidate over the other with the scripture in James chapter one. This is very quickly in this time of the most grotesque election I've ever seen and maybe will ever see. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get worse from here in 2024. But James chapter one, verse 26 says, if anyone thinks He is religious and does not tame his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Instead of talking politics, why don't we visit orphans and widows in their afflictions? And this last point seals the deal for me. To keep oneself unstained from the world. We're called to a standard of holiness as Christians. We're called to be set apart from the world. Even Romans chapter 12. Let me turn there real quick. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world. Or this age as it says in the Greek. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect? Or what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, as other translations will say. If we as Christians are pressured by the world to conform to one political party over the other, not only does that brew division, bitterness, hatred, slander, and malice, but what does that mean with our connection to the Holy Spirit? If our minds truly have been renewed, We are going to transform to what the spirit wants us to be transformed to. It's very, very clear. If you believe that people are not Christians because they support Donald Trump, or if you believe that people are not Christians if they support Joe Biden, I think you need to check if you've been conformed to the world, if you've been conformed to your political party. But if you have the mindset of, hey, you believe this and I don't believe this, that's okay, because I'm going to love you anyway. That is being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Think about the Apostle Paul. You can read in Second Corinthians all the horrible stuff that Paul endured for the gospel. Love the guy. Shout out to Paul. I actually really want to cite an example from him in the latter half of the book of Acts. I need to find it real quick. I believe it's in 26. Yeah, this is Paul's trial before King Agrippa. So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me, and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appealed to you, Both to small and great. Saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That the Christ must suffer. And that by being the first to rise from the dead. He would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. As he was saying these things in his defense. Festus said with a loud voice. Paul you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said I am not out of my mind most excellent Festus. But I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long I would to God, that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. That is a long passage, and I'm probably going to cut out a big portion because I read all the way from verse 1 through 29. But you can read it yourself. It's very, very important to what we're talking about here. And I noticed a lot of Paul's mindset was not allowing himself to go with the grain. He brought up how he was raised as a Pharisee, one of the most strict sects of the Jewish religion, to the point where he cast his vote against innocent people. Obviously, I don't remember him saying casting votes, so I think that's just a happy accident that we're talking about American politics. But he cast his vote against those who were innocent. Why? Because he believed it was right. What we believe to be right isn't always the reality. But what is right is what the Holy Spirit deems to be right. Obviously, Paul had direct instruction from the Holy Spirit to preach to the Gentiles. We don't have crystal clear instruction, a voice from heaven, that kind of thing if you do. Lucky. But most of us don't. Okay, even biblical statistics, God did not speak to people often, even in the Old Testament. Very seldom would he appear to the prophets, but I digress. We still have the word of God, which is just as powerful. Maybe not as lively as we would like it to be, as far as, you know, hearing a voice audibly in some surreal spiritual experience. But we have the word of God as our standard. If you're a Christian, the word of God is your standard. And if it is not your standard, you should probably check on that, because it's supposed to be our standard. Why do I bring up Paul here? Because we're supposed to be, as Christians, set apart. And Paul talks about his opposition here as something that is so powerful. His opposition was so great that his own people tried to kill him for what he believed. And not just some crazy whimsical belief that he just made up out of nowhere, but belief that was rooted in the very scriptures that the people trying to put him to death also believed. Does it sound familiar yet? The political parties in America hate each other so much just because we have a different interpretation of the issues going on, a different interpretation of the constitution, a different interpretation of the laws of the land. It doesn't matter. Because if you believe a different interpretation, you're automatically wrong. I distance myself from you. You need to fix your problems. That perfectly describes the infallibility of the American party system. I say that sarcastically. The word infallible is very sarcastic because nobody accepts that they're wrong. How do we expect something to work like this? Even as Christians, how do we expect this to work? The Bible makes it clear humility is what's needed to compromise. And we need that. It's something that's so essential, is humility. But we always want to be on the right side. And by right, I mean correct. The correct side of any issue. That's where we always want to be, and that's not a bad thing to want to be on the correct side, but we need to be careful of being close-minded, because the truth is, sure, we want to be correct, but we don't have all the answers. If you say you have all the answers, you are objectively incorrect. I don't have all the answers. I may be coming across as very matter-of-fact here, but that's, you know, kind of my point here. I'm trying to point out things from a biblical standpoint. From what I've observed from the Bible. You can disagree with me, sure, and I'll listen to what you have to say on why you disagree. I'm very open to other scriptures that I may not have taken into consideration when making this podcast, but if you're offended by the fact that I'm saying things that are challenging, if you're offended by the fact that I'm not aligning with any political party, or if I'm speaking against your prior beliefs that people can't be a Christian if they support this party or that party. I call into question... Why? Why is that such a bad thing? Why aren't you open to the fact that you might not have all the answers? And I've already said I don't have all the answers. I'm open that I might be wrong. And if I am wrong, please let me know. And we could talk about it. But from my observations... God is our standard. His word is our standard. God doesn't want us to be divided, but unified. And in a super volatile election cycle as we are in right now, I think it's more important than ever to be unified. But all this doesn't even matter because it's not going to happen. I think the way the partisan system stands right now, the only thing that can allow it to be reconciled is humility from both sides. Compromise from both sides. Willing to work together from both sides. I've seen disciples post some vile things during this election cycle. People who I know to be true disciples have posted some vile things. Things that I will not repeat on here. It breaks my heart whenever things like that happen. We're called to a standard of love, mercy, grace, humility, Forgive others as I have forgiven you, is what Jesus said. Why would we be called to this standard to not follow it? Doesn't make any sense. I see a lot of big names on the right. I see a lot of big names on the left who talk about, this is the only way to vote if you're a true Christian. That is incorrect, according to the Bible. Pure and undefiled religion is this. To keep oneself unstained from the world and to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That is true religion. That is what religion is according to the Bible. What does that have to do with partisan stuff? You could throw a lot of, oh, well, the left said this, the right said this. You could throw all that out, but where's the love behind that? But let's look back at James 1, verse 26, the scripture right before it talks about true religion. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not... Keep a tight rein on his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Is your religion worthless? As Christians, we're not called to a he said, she said, left said, right said, they said, they said thing. Keep a tight rein on our tongues. That's what we're called to. It says it's deceptive. If we claim to be religious, if we think we are religious, not just claim, if we think in our minds we are religious, it's not just what we outwardly claim, but if what we think about ourselves is that we're religious, but we don't keep a tight rein on our tongues, if we don't watch what we say, we deceive ourselves. Our religion is worthless, but we're not just told about the worthless religion, we're told about pure undefiled, true religion that not only is true for us, but it's what God confirms is true. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Keep oneself unstained from the world. Are you keeping yourself unstained from the world? Are you visiting those who are in affliction? People can draw from that what they like about like marginalized groups and whatnot. Sure, care for them, but keep a tight rein on your tongue. It's like, oh, those guys aren't doing it. What are you doing? I think of when Peter is reinstated by Jesus. After Jesus says, follow me, Peter turns around and looks at John. It's like, Lord, what about him? And Jesus says, that's not the point. If I want to keep him alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. It's a personal relationship with God. We can't be judging each other, because that causes division. I encourage you to think about what visiting orphans and widows in their affliction is all about. What keeping ourselves unstained from the world is all about. Because are we truly set apart if we conform to one party or the other? Maybe. I don't have all the answers. But from what the Bible says, very unlikely. Because if we believe something so strongly to be true, and there are other people opposing us that say it's not true, we get defensive. I don't think it's wrong to get defensive. I think it's what we do in our defensive state that really dictates where we stand, as far as those things. (laughs) You know, like where we need to grow and where we need to repent. Are we turning the other cheek? I've fallen short in this area so many times. It's really difficult. It's not an easy calling by any means. I want to point out this Facebook post I read, I think it was a couple weeks ago at this point. I'm in a worship leader's Facebook group, on Facebook obviously, but someone there stated their frustrations with the election, and I'm going to go find it actually. Hold on. This is what it says. I'm not going to name the guy who said it, but this is what it says. I've been struggling with an idea recently. The idea is that we as Christians ought to be focused a little less on our church, our worship, and our rights as Americans, or wherever you reside, and we ought to be more worried about the poor, the broken, and the lost who are abundant in all our communities. While we argue over masks in church, and whether or not to sing, or even open, and whether our rights are being violated, there are thousands of people... In my hometown, affected by a very real pandemic. Poor economy and stress over elections. Kids in school, work, and whatever. I've just reached a point where I may just tune out and not even vote this year. Take all my energy and just work to encourage my scared neighbors. And seek work to help those in my community. I just wonder if when Christ says many will come to me and I'll say be gone, I never knew you. If those folks were a little too consumed with their rights, themselves, their churches, and worship. In later podcasts, I'm probably going to talk more about the election. Maybe. But I think I stated a lot of my opinions here. If there's anything I missed, or anything you want me to address, I'll probably set up an email or something that you can send me. Send me an email or whatever. I don't know, I don't know how to do this podcast thing. I make Minecraft videos. But, uh... If you've made it this far, thanks for listening to what I have to say. We've made it about an hour into recording, which is definitely going to get cut down because I had to stop and repeat myself a lot. It's going to take a while to edit, but uh, if you did make it this far, I really appreciate you listening to what I had to say. And I encourage you, if you took anything from this, if you were cut to the heart by this in any way, amen. Like... My place is not to challenge you in who you're voting for or to get you to abstain from voting. My goal is to get you to focus on what really matters, which is God. Election or not, our calling doesn't change. Whoever wins, whoever wins, Biden or Trump, or some other third party that just comes out like a ninja. Our calling does not change. As disciples, that true religion calling is not dependent on who's leader. But I think I'm going to leave it there for today, just as I, <laughs> uh, I'm i quickly starting to repeat myself. So uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, stick around for the next podcast. I'm not even sure where I'm going to publish this, but uh, neat. That's a wrap for the first one.